1: The Road of Wire NFL podcast. I am not Derek Van Riper. I am what? Nick Whalen. Derek, I know, Derek Van Riper is in Arizona. He has fled the state. He's fled the region. He's no longer even in the Midwest. Uh, Derek is at the Arizona Fall League for the weekend. So uh, I'm stepping into the host chair, and joining me is Road to Wire's own John McKechnie, our Greetings. assistant college football editor. Uh, thanks for stepping in, man.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm pumped to be on the uh, on the you know breaking down the uh, the NFL slate this yep. week. You know, it's a nice little change of pace for me.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm beyond excited for this show. Um, <laughs> one, did you watch the World Series last night?
2: Did I watch the World Series? Of course, of course I watched the you, World okay, Series. Good, I mean, correct. I, I watched it at. Baseball editor James Anderson's place. Wow, uh, enjoyed a beer or two perhaps, and uh, you know, just kind of just watched in amazement as as the game you know ebbed and flowed the whole mm-hmm. way through. I mean, we were going nuts when Rajay Davis hit that home run. We we were like, what if, what if what if he just pulled one over yeah. the over that giant left field wall? And then lo and behold, you yeah. know, we were just you know soothsayers. So that was that was a wild wild experience. But I'm very happy for the Cubs as well. So I mean, that that's just I mean it, the. The energy, I mean, even up here in Madison, you know, we're like 100 miles north of Chicago. It still feels kind of electric up here, even, even yeah. still.
1: Yeah, I mean, living downtown in Madison, we, you know, I kind of kept my patio door open, partially because it was like 70 degrees yesterday, and you can do that this time of year, yeah. uh, uncharacteristically. But yeah, every every play, whether it was good or bad for the Cubs, you could kind of hear the groan or the cheers, which was cool. But I'm right. uh, I mean, neither of us are Cubs fans, but still very cool just to see something like that. Um, to you, though, I don't want to talk too much baseball, but is this bigger? Uh, you know, from just an overall, like, sports event standpoint than, than the Red Sox winning in 04? Uh, I think it, it might be. I think
2: mostly just because of the time that we live in right now. I know yeah. that that uh, the sort of Red Sox nation really picked up thereafter, and they had kind of a similar story of heartbreak the year before and then, get you know, getting the curse off their back the following year. But we got Twitter now, and I think that just sort of amplifies everything, mm-hmm. and uh, it almost kills things to an extent, you know, like you see the same recycle takes over and over again. But I mean, it did feel a little bit more widespread, like trying to refresh your your, f- your feed last night, you get like 500 more tweets, you right. know, so I mean, it does feel a little bit bigger, and it was a longer uh, curse as well. Mm-hmm.
1: I-, I think the Sox is bigger just because of all that happened, you know, coming back against the Yankees as the True. underdog, like the Cubs... The Cubs were the favorites this entire time, this so it did true. feel kind of weird, you know, to see them go down and pull back. But they still had that underdog narrative, just given that's all, all that's happened. Uh, but I mean, you can you can kind of debate that, I guess, for the rest of time. And either way, uh, quite the weekend it'll be, I think, in the city of Chicago. Oh, yeah. uh, but let's get to Week Nine in the NFL tonight. We are treated to Falcons at Buccaneers as the Thursday night game. Second highest over-under of the week uh, in this matchup, 51 points is the implied total. Falcons coming in after that big home win against Green Bay last week. Uh, Tampa Bay narrowly avoided what would have been the third tie in two weeks, I think, yep, in the NFL of the day. Uh, against Oakland, uh, but, but they fell in that game. Oakland now 6-2, and two. We'll, we'll talk about them in a little bit, but I still haven't quite figured out this Bucks team. I, I think it's not a team that you ever really want to play because they have that explosive potential right. on offense, but... They're also one of those teams that you can never really trust to pull out a game.
2: That's true. You absolutely can't trust them. I mean, even with Jameis Winston, you know, coming along pretty well in his second year and that defense uh you know they, they have a, a nice young core there with like levante david and mccoy and all that but yeah there's still a team that you you can't really trust and the falcons you know they've had some really impressive wins this season you know against the uh, or they were close to beating the seahawks and they, they beat denver out on the road probably should have beat seattle yeah i mean that that personal or the uh pass interference call was uh ludicrous there but um you know, I still feel like the Falcons are the better team here and you know, divisional matchups can can kind of muddy things up a bit, but I do feel like the Falcons,
1: even uh Sans tellman Tevin Coleman this week, uh, I think they should be able to get this done. I think so too. Uh the Buccaneers team still a little bit beat up on the offensive end. We don't really know who's gonna be running the ball. Uh like you know, yeah, James Antone Smith, you know, basically practice squad guys uh, could Barber be maybe? getting right, could be getting serious run uh in this game. So You know, from a fantasy perspective, outside of Mike Evans, outside of Cameron Braid and and Jameis Winston, it's kind of a crapshoot for that Tampa Bay offense. But, you know, with the Falcons, it's business as usual. Like you said, no Tevin Coleman, but you still like Devontae Freeman quite a bit. Um, I mean, it's easy to forget how good that Green Bay team has been against the run, so not really a surprise that he didn't go off last week. Um and, and then of course, you know Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are guys that you should probably have in your lineup every single week.
2: I think uh Jacob Tamme might be missing this game. He, he hurt his shoulder against the Packers, if I remember correctly, so that this could mean some some uh rookie Austin Hooper mm-hmm. action if if you know you're you're really thirsty for a tight end off the waiver I am. wire. You know it happens. It really does. So mm-hmm. uh, Hooper, I believe, played over seventy percent of the snaps last week. I think I saw uh, that on Twitter. So you know he's probably in for another pretty heavy yeah. you know role in the, in tonight's game, and that could be you know interesting. Go you know as as Tampa Bay tries to load up against Sanu and, and Julio Jones, maybe Hooper kind of has some sneaky value mm-hmm. this evening.
1: Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I mean, you look at Julio Jones last week. I mean, a game when Matt Ryan throws three touchdowns, he approaches three hundred yards only has seven incompletions. The Falcons score thirty three points. You would probably assume that Julio Jones was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. He wasn't necessarily at least in the box score. You his know looked, his, his presence is a big like part of that. Gimpy, but I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean just three catches for twenty nine yards. Um and, and there is talent elsewhere in this receiving course. A new had a big game last week, Taylor Gabriel Uh, And then Freeman, of course, getting involved through the air as well. But, no, I think you're right on Austin Hooper. Five catches last week, uh, caught all five of his targets. And Jacob Tamme has been ruled out for tonight, so he is going to be the starter. Let's get to Sunday's games. We'll just get this one out of the way. Uh, Jags, Chiefs, you know – the Chiefs are seven-and-a-half-point favorites. That seems about seven-and-a-half points low to me uh, in Kansas <laughs> City. I mean, that's a, this is a KC team that doesn't exactly blow teams out. Right, that's the They just kind of let their opponents bleed out slowly. Uh, but I think this is one where they they could kind of go for the throat slash uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> Jacksonville's down 27-0 to zero against a bad Titans team on Thursday last week. They do get a little bit of a longer week. Uh, to prepare, but they also fired their offensive coordinator. They promoted their quarterback's coach. And the quarterback has
2: made Blake Bortles worse.
1: Right, yeah. So you're kind of rewarding him for doing a poor job at what he's supposed to be doing. Now, I don't, they apparently just don't have a quarterback's coach now. Blake Bortles is flying in his own private coaches. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the gurus. Jags. Like, I mean, this is supposed to be the, the year by Jag standards. Mm-hmm. And that's that means like nine and seven. Uh, and it, things are not things are not great in Jagland right now. I'm a little bit worried about this. Even though KC is beat up on the offensive end, this this should be an easy win. That's true. And and you know uh, as of. Yesterday, I believe, Spencer
2: Ware was still not through concussion protocol. So, you know, everyone uh, is, is running for Charkandrick West on on their waiver wires. And I think they even stooped as low as to work out uh,
1: Trent Richardson earlier this I week. I saw that. I, 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 I love that, that. Like, every team is like, I don't want to do this, but we got I mean, to bring him he's in. He's there. Give, give Trent a call. What's he up to? <laughs> he's running on the beach, you know, yeah.
2: posting workout vids. So, yeah, uh, you know, obviously you want West – in in your backfield this week but yeah i would imagine that that the chiefs even with the jaguars coming on uh, like a little bit of extra rest and the chiefs a little bit banged up with alex smith you know got got banged around last week so he he might not play it sounds like he's probably not going to play potential nick full sighting like that that's probably why the spread is as low as is surprisingly low (laughs) and still
1: seven and a half i mean in the (laughs) nfl is is (laughs) relatively high you do wonder yeah if, if they had a full compliment of running backs and their starting quarterback. This might be a ten and a half, eleven point spread, and, and rightfully so. Uh, Jacksonville's broken. I mean, I, yeah. the nice thing is you got to look at Blake Bortles and say like he has a, If you he, if he's your starting quarterback in season long, like you haven't, you're not out of it. You know, he's it's he's true. been putting up numbers. He did you know maybe the most garbage time performance in NFL history on Thursday that night you see the, you see the end of that that score you know is what 36 24 or something like it's mm-hmm. like oh all he right like that was 300 three. yards yeah he was absolutely touchdowns. dominant when they were in if basically the when the Chiefs story, were in yeah. prevent in the second half um so there's nowhere to go but up i guess you know maybe this little meeting with his with his QB guru does something uh, but this Jags team, I, I fear, having watched you know pretty much every minute of all their games this year, they they kind of like visibly quit. I think on this coaching it does staff, feel like that. I think Bradley's lost the it. discipline is gone. I mean that I haven't you know the, the players haven't said anything, and that's nice. But you can just tell. I mean when you're when you get two players ejected a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey commits a you know one of the players who was ejected, Ramsey comes back the following week. Commits a you know a just really really bad late hit personal foul on yeah. the first possession of the game. You got guys throwing helmets on the sideline, Bortles Jeez. included. They just they just look like a, a really broken football team, top to bottom. And you know even even this banged up Chiefs team, I think should be able to pull this one out. I think so. Um, Steelers Ravens. You're a Ravens guy. We'll move right into right into them. Right. Jury's still out on whether uh, Ben Roethlisberger plays in this game. Probably going to come down to a game time call. Uh, But we'll start with Pittsburgh. Even if it is Landry Jones under center, does that change at all how you feel about skill position guys, Antonio Brown, Sammy Coates, Marcus Wheaton, Le'Veon Bell? I think, uh, first off, do you remember when this game used to be fun?
2: Like when yes. people used to look forward to this DVR
1: game. and I talk about teams that seem like they play eight times a year, and, and the Steelers and the Ravens is one of those matchups.
2: Yeah, it always used to be like a lock to, to one of, the, at right. least one of those games would be on national television. Right. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say, at least in recent years, because we, we've seen a trend where neither or, or we're not having both teams be good at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually what happens is the team that's playing or having the worst season kind of drags the better team down into the mud with them. That's what we saw with the Ravens last mm-hmm. year. I was witness, live witness to the Ryan Mallet game. Uh, the again, game? The game, yes. Uh, he was wearing number seven, you know, Kyle Bowler's number. A little bit disrespectful to give, to kind give of thought his number so away too, like yeah. that. But, you know, uh, you live and you learn. But, you know... Looking at this game, I, I'm not worried about a guy like Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell if Landry if Landry Jones is starting, but I would be a little bit more worried of, uh, for like the ancillary characters. Mm-hmm. Your Sammy Coates, your Darius Hayward, Bays, and so on and so forth, right. because uh, you know I think that Jones is is extremely limited as a passer, and Brown is pretty much the only sure thing, and and. Uh Coates, really, he just needs to get open way down the field. I'm not sure that Jones can get it there uh, accurately whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that sort of uh, takes the venom out of, out of Sammy Coates for this week. Although the Ravens will do their best to try to let him get behind them. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think, I mean, Coates over the last two weeks, I think just five targets, one catch. I mean, he hasn't really been the same yeah, without that Roethlisberger um, deep ball threat. Uh, Antonio Brown, though, I mean, virtually quarterback proof at this yeah, point. If, you, not if a you're guy benching you Antonio be Brown,
2: then I'd like to see a receiver core otherwise.
1: No, you're right, though, about this matchup. Um, you know, it, it has lost its luster a little bit. And I, I think it was always such a defensive based matchup. You know, Joey Porter against Ray Lewis, Levon mm-hmm. Kirkland against Peter Bulware, whoever. Like, not like all those, oh, yeah. those, like, kind of early. Helody, Early two thousands, late nineties stars have kind of yeah, Ed Reed. You know they've they've kind of faded out, and uh, you know it's a new era, I guess, of of football. And the, there's just not those household names in this matchup.
2: There's really not. I mean, it, uh, I don't think that there's one single guy on the Steelers' defense. You're
1: like, yeah, he's the guy. I mean,
2: I guess maybe Ryan Shazier, but you know no. what? It's really a question of like when's Ohio pull State his guy. I can't really. Yeah, you know. I'm not a huge fan. And then you know Mo, C J Mosley on the other side of the ball. He's a Bama guy, so he's like, good. You know, he's very good, though. Yeah, no, he is pretty solid. Big fan of his, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, he is a Bama guy as well. And I don't think he's necessarily a household name per se. hes I think he was the first uh, pro bowler the Ravens have drafted since, like, the 08 class, actually. And everyone Yikes. always gives Ozzie Newsom tons of credit, probably mm-hmm. too much. Uh, but the drafts have been terrible, and we're kind of seeing the fruits yeah. of that. Uh, these past two seasons with just uh, no depth, so when when your starters that have been starting for a ton of time uh, get hurt, uh, you really have nothing to put behind them, and, right. and uh, you know you're you're seeing that like that three and zero start for the Ravens was a complete farce. Uh, the the three and four, three and five mark that they're at now is more indicative of where they
1: actually are. Mm-hmm. Ravens might get Steve Smith back uh, in this game. He hasn't played in just about calendar month. Uh, Probably going to come down to a game-time call for him as well. Looks like he didn't practice today. Not a great sign, but he's old, so he doesn't necessarily have to practice. He's an old man. The Cleveland Browns play host to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, On paper, maybe the most lopsided matchup of the week. Um, I mean, the Browns, though, like – For an zero eight team, like they've been really competitive. They've been in just about every single game, down you know in deep into the second half, uh, just kind of finding ways to lose games. But they are good at that. Yeah, they are. But it hasn't been like comical. You know, usually when you think back to like the the Lions team, you know, you have those images of Dan Orlovsky running through the back of the end zone, (laughs) scrambling for his life. Like there hasn't been that with the Browns. There hasn't been Josh McCown. You know, human helicoptering uh, across the goal line <laughs> with the ball flying—they've been very. They've looked like a competent football team. They look like a more confident team uh, than the Jaguars have for a lot of this year. And then you know, even a team like the Niners—they uh, just true. kind of have. I'd rather
2: be a Browns fan than a. Ron- yeah, Niners like they've fan been right
1: like they've actually like lost encouragingly six out of eight times, which is you can't really usually say about a lot of zero and eight teams, eight teams, teams, but, teams, but they're going to get kind of steamrolled by this Cowboys team. Yeah, even the Cowboys are really picking up steam. The Cowboys are good. Yes, officially. It's, yeah, they are officially good. They get Dez back uh, again. You know, over a hundred yards in his return last week. Uh, a very like Dez catch in the mm-hmm. end zone for a touchdown. But you know, a catch that four other receivers in the NFL maybe make. Yeah, to, um, to hang
2: on to that ball when when it was really getting swatted out by, by a cornerback. I mean, the the cornerback had a perfect position to, to mm-hmm. knock that ball out. So you you are right. Like that that really
1: was something that pretty much Dez and only a handful of other guys make. Yeah, and, and that's what it really does bring. You know, we haven't seen him over a large sample yet with with Dak Prescott, but it's those type of plays. You know, even if he's not getting targeted fifteen times, it's you know those, those one or two really valuable targets that no one, you know, no other receiver on this team, and like we just said, not many receivers in the league, uh, can make those type of plays. Is a seven and a half or excuse me, just seven point spread? Uh, is, is that enough? Cowboys by seven? Well, you got to think. You know, we we just talked about this Jaguars
2: Chiefs game. Is this as uh, you know, as lopsided or more lopsided, I would I would say probably yeah. I mean, the the Cowboys are really rolling right now. They are on the road though, correct?
1: Yes, correct. Okay,
2: so I mean that 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 does add an element uh, for sure. You know, for a rookie quarterback, of course. Uh, but I, I don't think that the Cleveland's going to be able to slow down Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I think that he's going to be a huge problem. I mean, like pretty much the the Cowboys offense is so balanced. They can hurt you in so many different ways uh, that I I think that there's no way that that, that they get you know below probably like 28 points and that defense has been playing well enough they're a little bit banged up right now not really sure well like Morris Claiborne's uh, groin issue uh, is gonna is gonna turn out to be on Sunday he's having a nice year uh, and I think it's his contract here coming up you know coming off his rookie mm-hmm. contract and he's kind of needed that um, but we'll have to see what's going on there but I, I just don't really see even with Josh McCown at the helm I don't really see this Cleveland offense uh, putting up more than like 17 points here so I think the, the Cowboys should be able to get this even though cleveland did just trade for uh jamie collins from the patriots although i i feel like if you're a team in the in the patriots call you and they're like yeah we want to we want to trade somebody there's something horribly wrong just, with just that person on
1: un- disconnect your phone uh if it's a cell phone <laughs> just stop you know hammer something just don't even like don't even answer that call like, as soon as you answer it you're done like it's, even it's even if even if like I'm picturing like the the Cleveland's Matrix. GM is just, like, saying, like, he's trying to say no, but his mind is just, like, not cooperating with his mouth, and is just like, yes, <laughs> we will do that, we will give you whatever you want. A third-round compensatory right. pick. Yes, exactly, and, uh, yeah, you, you, just kinda, you just can kind of see how, like, I, I just feel like Collins is going to, like, go down for the season with some injury in, like, the first play of the game on Sunday, and he'd be like, oh, yep, of course. Yeah, um, Probably. Cleveland's the second worst rushing defense in the NFL right now per game, okay. uh, per carry. They're you know third or fourth worst something like that. Uh, but they're allowing 144 yards per game. Uh, that's second only to San Francisco, which is allowing 185. Uh, that's obscene in the modern NFL. Um, but I mean Zeke Zeke's had some big games. He's had some big carry games. If you're Dallas, um, you know, kind of knowing that this Cleveland team does have a tendency to hang around, uh, especially at home. I think you just you don't you don't ask Dak to do too much, even sure. though he's shown that he's capable of doing uh quite a bit more than he was maybe in week one or two. You just got to let Zeke handle this. I mean, this could be a big, big game for Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, we're
2: going to see him, you know, finishing off 15, 20-yard runs and doing, like, the, the keep feeding me uh, sign several times throughout this game. I think he, we're going to see him push for over 20 carries. And with that, you know, he's pretty much a, a, about as big of a lock as you're going to see for season-long our DFS to 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 crack the 100-yard mark. This mm-hmm. week and probably find the end zone. I think he's one of the chalkier plays. I mean, this matchup just sets up so yeah. well for him. And, you know, like you said, they, they – they tend to just feed him the rock and they, they don't really tend to ask
1: Dak to do two, too too much. So I think we're going to see a huge game from Elliot mm-hmm. here. Yeah. I mean this, this, after this game for Dallas, uh, you know, you would think uh, at least projecting out that they'll move to seven and one if they beat the Browns. Things toughen up a little bit. They're at Pittsburgh next week. You know, presumably Ben Roethlisberger will be back for that. Right. Home to the Ravens, probably a winnable game. Home Extremely. against Washington, uh, which I believe handed them their only loss on the season. Correct. I think so. Yeah. Or was it the Giants? Somebody in the division. Um, and then after that, the Giants again. Buccaneers, Lions, and then at the Eagles to finish out. Yeah, that's that's definitely not an easy stretch. No, it's not. So, I mean, the NFC East I don't think is decided by any means yet, uh, but Dallas firmly in the driver's seat, and and they could kind of expand that this week. The New York Jets are at the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins come in off of the bye week. Uh, Jets just squeaked one out over that Cleveland team we just talked about. Uh the big story here is Jay Ajayi, right? I mean if we're yes. talking fantasy, the last two games that he's played, two hundred plus yards, he's looked, you know, drawing Ricky Williams comparisons oh for, you know, numerous reasons. Um, I mean, what are your expectations? He's not going for 200-plus again, is he? I, I wouldn't imagine so. Even, you know, with fresh legs coming off the bye week, I think
2: that certainly helps things, and I think that that is going to help him have a nice day against the Jets, but I don't think he's going to put up, like, the video game numbers. I think the Jets, you know, for all their warts, they can still stop the run a little bit. They, they're, the,
1: they're the best rushing D in the league in, per game.
2: Uh, I think that uh, we could see, if you, if you are hanging on to any of your Dolphins receivers, it uh, looks like uh, Darrell Rivas is completely toast, in my opinion. I think so so yeah i think it, he allowed like 12 completions last week or something to that effect so uh we might see you know if you got like some if you're a deep league you got some like Devonte parker or you got some jarvis landry uh going across the middle uh that's i mean you could be in for like a, actually somehow a decent game from the from those mm-hmm. pass catchers
1: here I, I never know what to do with the dolphins receiving guard i have i don't have any exposure to landry but i have i have stills in a league i have parker okay. in a couple of leagues and like I mean, it's so hit or miss with both of those guys. Stills is basically, if he gets an 80-yard touchdown, it's worth it, but he's probably only yeah. going to get one or two other catches. Parker, like the targets seem to be there, but sometimes Tannehill is just so off that it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. I mean, Parker to me, well, Parker, I guess, and Stills kind of compared to like Robinson and Hearns for how that's worked out this year.
2: Okay, I think that's a fair comparison. And then, uh, you know, Uh, Landry, just because of how he's used, uh, he actually is still pretty viable, especially if you play in like PPR formats, or if you're Mm -hmm. you're playing in in like a PPR format for for DFS purposes, uh, because he gets a huge target volume, and he's, you know, he's like the de facto receiver that's open within 10 yards Mm -hmm. of the field. And that's pretty much the only area that you're really trusting Ryan Tennille to hit with any sort of accuracy. So that really helps his, his uh, target count and really helps his uh, like, uh, his like catch rate. So, uh, he's a guy that you can definitely look for. He's not, you you know, your deep threat per se, that'd be more the Parker stills, but you know, as we saw in week one and as many owners, uh, you know, cringe still thinking about that Kenny Stills just wide open touchdown against the Seahawks that he dropped. That you The know, season think... looks a lot
1: different, I think, for <laughs> yeah. maybe both of those teams if he makes that catch. My God, yeah, it does, it actually. Really does. So, um, hey. so I'm, look- I'm looking at NFL MVP odds right now, okay. and I always try to talk about this with DVR. I just think he doesn't care about petty awards like this as much as I do. <laughs> okay. Um. But I mean, Tom Brady's the favorite right now. He might—he's going to play twelve games. He's on pace for something like thirty-five touchdowns and no picks. Yeah, the, they'll, they'll the listeners can't
2: see my eyes rolling right. out of my head, but they are. I, okay, so yeah. question
1: one: Should Tom Brady be able to win the MVP if he only plays twelve games? No. Okay. Even though 12 I think he should, but that's fine. Uh, two: If if not Brady, who is the MVP at midseason right now? I'll, I'll read you some of the other top okay. uh, in order, um, courtesy of our good pals at Bovada. Matt Ryan is two behind Brady. He's at plus five fifty. Ezekiel Elliott at plus 750, Dak at plus 1,200, Derek Carr at plus 1,200, David Johnson at plus 2,000, then you have Luck, Rodgers, and Wilson, uh, as well as Drew Brees all at 2,500.
2: I actually kind of like Derek Carr if he if he's able to keep the the Raiders rolling here. I know that I see your eyes rolling out of your head now, but I, I think he's I mean he's putting up insane numbers right now. He just uh, set a, a Raiders record last weekend. I know it was against the Bucks, but he was on the road too, and uh, it was an impressive game from him. Uh, it seems like he he really does have that Raiders team turned around. That Raiders does. team does have uh, some flaws to it, especially on the defensive uh, side of the ball, especially in the secondary. I think Sean Smith is banged up. I uh, left last week's game. Don't know how long he's going to be out for but you know for for the Raiders to be six and two right now and are, I believe are they in the driver's seat right now in the in the west or are no, they they're just... tied with Denver okay that makes. I think sense. they
1: have two meetings left
2: that's true so that, that that's gonna that's gonna say a lot you know we still have a lot to see from the Raiders uh but I think if Carr is able to you know keep this thing going then he's like a nice little dark horse candidate yeah, I would say he
1: is I mean the numbers say he is for sure I mean, and I was more shaking my head at like there was talk at the beginning of the year like would you rather have car or bortles and then there's all Mm -hmm. those sites that rank the players (laughs) like i think everybody had bortles ahead of car and it's like wow you were so wrong and (laughs) i feel like an idiot for believing that too (laughs) uh but the thing with car is like he i think he has to put he would have to go like 38 and like six picks to get it because like dak and zeke playing in dallas like if that if that dallas team wins like 13 games and zeke rushes for 1900 yards and like 20 touchdowns like I don't want A rookie's never won MVP, right? Uh, I don't at least so. not in the, like the quote-unquote modern era. Right. Um so that would be something in itself. And the, the Dak thing is interesting. Like I don't know, I would not bet on Dak Prescott right now just because we don't even know if he's going to be starting I mean, it in would, 2 weeks. It
2: would be crazy if Dak won. it. Like that for, for as awesome. like, you know, quote-unquote like valuable if you if you look at the MVP not as the best player but the most yeah. valuable, um then you know, he he's certainly a guy that you you could consider, but I mean at the end of the day, I mean, he's He's not like running like a childproof offense the way like RG three was mm-hmm. uh, his rookie year. I mean, the, the, you know, he has a little bit more freedom uh, and responsibility there. But I, I still, I mean, those just aren't MVP numbers. No, that's you know? the
1: thing. It's like I think if if you're going to say, all right, I'm gonna, you know, in the scenario Dallas wins thirteen, fourteen games, whatever, you're gonna say, all right, I'm giving the award to a cowboy. Like Zeke, to me, is the clear favorite there. Like I, I mean, this so is too. as good as Dax Ben. Like. He's been good relative to what we expected, I think, more so than relative to like, how you would rate an MVP. Yes. Um, but what do you, what are your, how surprised, I guess, are you that Dak's been able to do this as someone who analyzed him you know, heavily as a, college, as a college football player and then as kind of a pre-draft prospect?
2: Right. I mean, uh, you know, he was a guy, I think, that was in my top five or just outside of it you know, in the pre-draft rankings. Uh, he's a guy that I expected to be a little bit more of a project. Uh, certainly, once Romo goes down, once Kellen Moore goes down, uh you, you see like, okay, this guy's gonna have to start and then you see what he's able to do in the preseason and and you're you're amazed by it. It's like wow, there's really no drop off from what he was doing at Miss State right now. This is this is unbelievable. And then of course, you know as always, the detractors come jumping in and, you oh, know, it's a preseason game, like, you know, and they're all freaking out and, you know, just trying to give him as little credit as possible, despite the fact that Dak probably couldn't have been playing any better at that point. And he's, mm-hmm. he's been able to carry it over to an extent this season. You know, he, I think last week was a little bit of a tougher matchup. He didn't play as well as we've seen, but he still had like a really nice like day for fantasy purposes, I mm-hmm. think, uh, or his touchdown late in the game uh, won me a matchup, which was awesome um and I think I think that yeah Dak, it, Dak's a guy that's uh, nothing is too big for him I would say like he, he's extremely level-headed always has been right. and I think that's one of the, his biggest uh, strong suits and he's got a he's got a nice arm he just knows how to how to like uh, be in the pocket uh and he can obviously make plays if things break yeah. down and, and you know get himself down the field uh, for some nice runs as well so yeah Dak's playing about uh, as well as you could have possibly hoped uh, him to play in his rookie year form
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, Dallas basically has like locked up number one and two in offensive rookie of the year voting, which is kind of crazy and kind of like. I mean, that's how good those two guys have been. That Carson Wentz is basically out of it at this point. Four Um, yards per
2: attempt last week or something. It was embarrassing. Well, the
1: thing with Dag is like not only is he thrust into this position to start right away it's starting for the dallas cowboys who are like you know clearly the most popular team i think in football right now nationally Mm -hmm. this is a guy who's from louisiana i don't don't know who he rooted for growing up but you know there's a lot of cowboys crossover into a state like that um you know probably the saints i suppose um but still i mean just just kind of obscene how how good he's been and it's been a lot of fun to watch in that spotlight so that's a good point speaking with the nfc east uh the eagles four and three taking on the Giants in new york this weekend uh i mean is either of these teams making the playoffs uh, i'm not really sure i mean you got to kind of look at the landscape uh the of
2: the rest of the nfc right now i mean uh you got the packers in contention for a wild card uh the bucks you know at three and four are second in their division the, along with the saints so that that's probably not well where out. let's
1: see like where where are the wild cards coming what divisions it seems
2: like the east it would be your odds-on favorite i mean outside of outside of uh, a Packers or Vikings, I would say. I, so it's got to be one of these two teams. So this really yeah. does kind of become a pivotal matchup here.
1: Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I, th- I still think, so I think Green Bay probably gets a wild card or maybe Minnesota, depending on how that shakes out. I mean, we'll get to the Vikings in a little bit. I mean, that they look all of a sudden a little bit, more quite a bit more shaky than yes, they, they did two weeks ago. Um... But even Detroit, I mean, is that four and four. Um, You're clicking to me, a little bit? Arizona is still right there. Like that's a team you don't want to play. Like if it's week seventeen and you have to play Arizona and basically like a play in game, mm-hmm. I would side with Arizona. Um, so I still, you know, they're three, four, and one. I still look out for them. But right, like you said, I mean, the NFC East is by record the best division. Uh, in the NFL right now. I mean you got 6-1, 4-3, 4-3, 4-3 and 1. Um so it's really anybody's uh you know game. I guess behind Dallas to to mm-hmm. try to jockey for a wild card spot. I just feel like the Giants, Eagles and the Redskins are all just going to beat up on each other and all finish like it Does feel that
2: way. And uh you know, I think any one of those teams can beat the other one. I mm-hmm. I think that you know each team presents like a different Terrible matchup for for the opponent for the opposition. I think like the Giants are going to be able to throw on the Eagles a little bit this week. I think you know it helps that the Giants uh, are coming off a bye week. They should be reasonably well rested, uh, you know. And then the Eagles had to play a a very contested uh, you know late Sunday night game, so I think they might be a little bit wiped out here. uh, And they're going on the road, I guess. So I think I think the Giants. uh, I give them the edge here personally. Um, but you know, you could easily see, uh, you know, a team like the Redskins beating either one of these teams moving forward. Mm. I think, I think you put it right. Like they, these teams are just going to kind of cannibalize each other, and that's kind of been the case in recent years. I don't think that that's necessarily mm. going to change this time around.
1: Yeah, I've I've gotten much more into like picking games these last two seasons than I have fantasy. i um, still love fantasy, and you know, everyone who works at RotoWire obviously does, sure. but. Uh, just picking games has made me like just hate pretty much every team because like the, <laughs> yeah, there's so burns, many like yeah. this season alone, there's, there's like three teams that I trust week to week it's like new England, Denver, and, and maybe there's only two, probably just those two at this yep. point. Maybe some Pittsburgh when, when big Ben is healthy, but I mean the entire NFC East, uh, outside of Dallas right now is a complete crapshoot week to week. Same with the North, same with the South, same with the West. Like it's just a, a nightmare season for, for pools like that. Uh, Detroit. At Minnesota uh, in an NFC North matchup, I'm a little bit worried about the Vikings. Um, I think we're allowed to be at this. I point. think so. Yeah, you. Uh, this feels a little bit like the Bills situation where like they made a very reactionary decision, and and North Turner resigned. You know, but you don't just resign for no reason. You know, it seems like they probably gave him the chance to say you can either step down or we're getting rid of you. yep So you have a new OC a coming honor. in taking the reins on a short week uh, with only what a two three days, basically, to, to prepare. Yeah, exactly. After an um, embarrassing loss to the Bears on right, Monday Right, exactly. Night. Yeah, embarrassing. Good, good, <laughs> Zinger. Good, good pun there. Um, so to me, this five-and-a-half-point line... Uh, for, for the Vikings even at home does seem a little high because they the offense hasn't shown up either the last two weeks the defense hasn't been as dominant nope. and this Lions team can kind of throw all over on anybody when they look they've looked bad in like two or three games but they've looked very good yeah they in were three or they four won like
2: four they had one four straight going into last week and yeah. you know I, oddly enough like one of the weirder just sort of trends of this season is that I believe Houston's unbeaten at home so yeah, maybe great, maybe great they are team, legitimately tough at home. Uh so you, maybe you can't really put too much blame on the Lions for for taking the L there, but you know, the Vikings are, are a disaster right now in offense. Uh you know, they don't have a running game. They never were going to have a running game without Adrian Peterson, but I think it's worse than people feared. Mm-hmm. Uh maybe they'll get McKinnon back this week, but you know, kind of like getting Ronnie Hillman off the street earlier in the season and you know Riding Matt Asiata, I don't think that's a recipe for success, and I think that uh, kind of hurts uh, the passing game. And I think it allows teams to sort of just dare people to throw on them, and they they're allowed to rush the passer. And if you looked at last week's game, I mean, the I don't think that the Bears, by any extent, have the the sort of bear defense that we that we used to see in the mid two thousands. But it sort of looked that way on, on Monday night against the Vikings offensive line. I believe the right side. Of the Vikings' offensive line gave up something to the effect of like 14 pressures in the second half alone again against, against uh, the Vikings or against the Bears on Monday night. So I mean that that's very telling, you know. So you you'd have to imagine if you have like IDPs uh, on the D line for for the Lions, a guy like Ansa or something, uh, you know, you, I would imagine that he's going to be able to to pick up a sack or two against the Vikings. I think. Stratford's gonna be on his back a lot this week because obviously mm-hmm. the lines off or the Vikings offensive line showed that they can look pretty pedestrian against basically any defensive front. And I think that's a huge issue.
1: Right. Yeah, I think this Vikings team probably played a little bit over its head for the first five weeks of the year and I was heaping on the praise, man. Reverse, was so bad. was I. I mean, they looked awesome. Even, you know, after AP went down that the offense started looking better, but I think it's starting to show now that they don't really have any weapons in this offense outside of Stephon Diggs, and he hasn't really They're been fully guy. healthy since week three um so yeah i mean I'm, I'm not out in the vikings by any means i still i still think they're the best team in this division because green bay has looked so shaky mm-hmm. um but you know it, it's going to be a fun fun race over the second half do you need a website why not do it yourself with wix.com no matter what business you're in wix has something for you it's used by more than 84 million people worldwide wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today if you need to get the word out about your business it all starts with a stunning website With hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor feature, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer, nor do you need to be a designer to create something beautiful. You can do it all yourself at Wix.com. Wix empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. That's where Wix comes in with Wix. It is easy. It's also free. Go to Wix.com. That's W I X dot com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. All right, let's move on to Panthers and Rams. Somehow the two and five Panthers don't seem like they're quite dead yet. Most right. teams that, you know, come into last week one and five, and you know, granted, they pulled off an impressive victory on uh, at home against the the Cardinals, but most two and five teams, at, you know, at week eight or week nine, I guess now in the season, you are ready to write them off. With this Carolina team. I'm not quite ready to do that. And part of that is no one's really running away with this NFC South. That's true. And,
2: you you know, the the Falcons could be running into a potential trap game here this evening. So if if they drop that game and the Panthers pick up the win on on the road against the Rams, which is no easy task, the Rams can really kind of uh, drag you down into the mud in their Mm -hmm. own right. But, yeah, like you said, you know, most two and five teams – Aren't the Panthers most two and five teams? Aren't defending conference champions? You know, like The, the Panthers still have some talent. Obviously, their, their defense, especially the secondary, isn't nearly as good as it was. Uh, I think that's been their biggest issue. Luckily, the Rams aren't yeah. going to exploit that whatsoever. They might not
1: even have to put out a secondary. Yes. You, know, you might just be yeah, able to line just, up just, eleven there's... guys on the line, which is what teams have basically been doing with Todd Gurley. Yep. Uh, as a Dogs guy, a Dogs alum, uh, University of Dogs. Yeah. What is up with with Todd Gurley? Um, What's the I, deal? Have you talked to him?
2: I mean, we we just a couple of alumni, a l- getting... little hard to heart. You know, we have the same birthday. Oh, we both love the went, Simpsons. Went down to the student union, maybe grab some yeah, beers. You know, had to, no, we just dry campus. Okay, it's Georgia. Is there's it really? no, There's no drinking there.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> it's Mormon, right? Yes, I believe, yeah. yeah, it is. Okay. You know.
2: Uh, so very virtuous school, uh, definitely not affiliated with the l- world's largest outdoor cocktail party whatsoever. Hey, no, it's
1: the Rumble by the River or something, right? <laughs>
2: God, I'm still so upset that that is a thing. I hope it doesn't actually become a thing. But uh, back to your point, though, with with Gurley, it, it feels like the like the like the scene at, towards the end of Goodwill Hunting, where, where Robin Williams is talking to Matt Damon, like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. I mean, it's really not his fault. It, it's just it's, it's sort of a situation where Case Keenum is starting at quarterback and teams just don't care. They don't respect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have no receivers to really scare you. I mean, if, if like, Brian Quick is your scariest receiver. Kenny
1: Britt's then... been kind of good, man, all right? Okay, <laughs> that's, that's, that's there you the go. You and then,
2: like, and then, <laughs> hey, man. Like, there there it is. I mean, that's that's your best mm-hmm. uh weapon to to sort of make defenses try to try to defend that as opposed to stacking eight nine guys in the box against Gurley I mean Gurley's a guy that's that's constantly getting hit behind that behind the line and that offensive line obviously isn't holding up its end of the bargain either Uh, probably uh, about as bad if not worse than the Vikings one so there there are issues all across that line and uh, I just think that the, the Rams are just you know They've taken on the personality of their coach, uh, Jeff Fisher, and they're just headed for another mediocre season under a mediocre coach.
1: Yeah, I, I was uh, I was joking with DVR, only kind of half joking, I guess, last week about like if somebody at the beginning of the year, um, you know, you often see these kind of bets with Super Bowls. You know, you can take all right, this team or the field, or Tiger Woods versus the field. Like sure. when you're talking about the Rams, if somebody before week one would have said finish eight and eight or the field like they finish yeah, either at eight, eight or and any one, other record yeah. uh i think i would take eight and eight.
2: yes in a in a heartbeat actually you know like it, you know close second might be seven and nine
1: yeah I mean, right yeah that was like yeah there's like no upside that's like to that plus team. 200 right um but yeah enough rams talk that's not a fun team to talk about get i get, get kind of sad talking about todd because i really wanted him to have no. a big year but he still got time saints at the niners I mean, this seems like it could be like fifty to seven Saints, but it also seems like it could be like twenty one to seven Niners because the Saints just have those type of games yeah, when they, they go they on the road.
2: They, they have the penchant to just sort of really disappoint like fantasy really bad. owners and betters alike. I mean, it's it's an issue where you know, like, oh man, like here we go, like against the against the Chargers or, or right. whatnot, uh, you know, team that they should completely light up. I guess they still put up a good amount of points in that game, they but they, you know. They they do have a pension to disappoint you and, and the Niners for how terrible they are, I think they're actually like moderately decent at home as far as their defense is concerned. I don't think that offense is good uh no matter where you put them. That's a take. Yeah. Put it putting it out there, man, serving it up. But uh yeah, I think the Saints uh you know, if they show up. Uh, they should really be able to to put on a show here against that Niners defense. And obviously, I think probably like the hottest waiver wire pickup this week probably Tim Hightower. Would you Would you
1: argue? I think so. Yeah, I mean, um, we're gonna
2: see if you have like you know extra fab money, uh, you know for for your waivers. Uh, he's a guy that that you know if you can really drop the hammer and way outbid pretty much everyone else in your league and grab him because it really does seem like Mark Ingram is in that doghouse and it's it's an issue yeah for, for, as far as Ingram is concerned so Ingram owners uh should definitely be worried and definitely be trying to to grab a guy like Hightower right now
1: yeah it's come to that point in the year where you know if you you kind of start getting worried where you know you, you don't want to end the year with $70 in fab that you never spent, um, and you know th- those kind of options are kind of trickling out of, of the waiver wire. So yeah, Hightower, I, I would agree with you, probably the number one guy, at least at the running back position, this week. Uh, this game has the highest over-under on the slate, not surprising, 52 and a half. most of that you would think coming from New Orleans, um, but we'll see. I mean, this this Saints team, like you said, is it's been like this for the last two or three years. Where they look really good. They, I mean, they beat Seattle last week, uh, which, which I still think is a, is a pretty good team. I mean, the jury's I out. Too. Jury's out on Seattle uh, still, but you know, they they the defense came up with a stop at the end, which you almost never see out in New Orleans. That was shocking, um, right? And you know, the Forty ers might be the worst non-Jaguars team in football right now, but the Saints can can play with anybody and they can lose with anybody too. That's so for we'll darn see. Sure. Uh, Titans at the Chargers the titans might be kind of good i don't know I love the titans man yeah the, i hate the titans they're the one oh, pro yeah. sports team that i actively root against um this <laughs> stems back to you know the afc title game talking jags right man. talking jags Eddie, and Eddie um, george yeah sorry I mean, don't don't bring that in. i mean he's a buckeye too which is like double Oof, and yeah. now he's on he's in like plays and stuff um <laughs> what yeah he's he's on like broadway now Really? Yeah, yeah. Good for him, I guess. Right? It's kind of cool, actually, yeah. Uh, But the Titans can run the ball. They ran all over Jacksonville last week. Mm -hmm. Um, They have two of, I think, like the top 20 running backs in the league. One of them is probably top five in DeMarco Murray. And Derrick Henry, I think, would be starting for... 60% 60% of teams in the league, 70%. Of, I mean, he's that yeah, good. I yeah, really think he is. And
2: when he, when he got drafted by the, by the Titans in the second round, I, I liked the draft slot for him. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, you know, uh, his issue of being able to, to really get up to speed immediately, um uh, I think that was always going to prevent him from being a first rounder in all likelihood but going to the Titans I was like why like it is, you know he's not going to see any any work behind DeMarco Murray but you see what happens uh you know last week DeMarco uh injures I believe his toe or his foot uh, and they let uh Henry out of of the um out of the doghouse, I guess, and he was able to – he only ran for like 3.8 yards per carry or something like that, but, I mean, he looked a lot better than that. I mean, he's just he, – you watch him and you're like, yeah, that's a guy I would want on my team. He's just yeah. a force.
1: Yeah, I mean he's such a, an asset to have as your second running back. Um yeah, and, but ridiculous. he he's so similar to Murray, I think in in a lot of ways, you know, the way he runs, the, you know, he, a lot, you see a lot of these two-back systems, you know, scat back and then a power back. Like these guys are both power backs who can run too. I mean, it's not like it's is TJ Duckett out here. I mean, they're both <laughs> 6'1, 6'2. I mean, Henry's listed at 250, who knows where he's actually at. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean 60 yards on 16 carries against Jacksonville, had a 15-yard touchdown um he looks really good and and did some damage through the year as well so
2: we're coming uh, up on the one year anniversary of the derrick henry uh versus leonard fournette game we are last year and uh fournette had like 31 yards on 16 carries, and, and Derrick Henry ran for 210 yards and, and three touchdowns and effectively stole the Heisman out of Leonard Fournette's hand uh, that night. So I'm really excited for this week's matchup for, you know, a little bit off-topic there. But, Where
1: is Fournette's draft stock at? This is just a, my personal curiosity. I mean, it, I feel like I hear something different every week.
2: It And it does, it does kind of change every week. I mean, like, uh, w- once he missed his second consecutive game earlier this season— you start to wonder because he ha- he hasn't looked explosive at all this year. You know he he hurt that ankle in in fall camp and then he banged it up against the Badgers. I think
1: he's been like demoralized mentally after that Badger it, game. It really
2: did feel that Can't way a little him. bit, actually. Can't and blame him. <laughs> yeah, I mean who who can? But uh, uh, the sort of just savagery that you saw from from him against Ole Miss makes you think that he's back. And if he plays like that, then he's like a surefire first rounder. So, you know, uh, this week is obviously a huge test. Bama best defense in the country, uh, always seems to be that way. Uh, always seems to give Fournette a tough time the last two times that he's faced them. Uh, so this is a really big proving ground for him. And I think if, if he's able to, I mean, it's obviously not going to be one game changes his draft stock completely, but if he has nice film against a team like Bama, that, then I think that's going to, uh, really, uh, favorably factor in for his draft stock overall i still imagine that he'll be uh probably running back one especially with with uh how shaky like nick chubb's been this year
1: mm-hmm. i saw nick nick chubb had a meeting with his offensive coordinator yeah, like, this week you, that's awesome can we run the ball
2: more yeah uh, yeah
1: <laughs> pretty much like please give me the ball
2: he seriously said i mean like uh, him and sonny michelle had like 11 carries last week against florida that was just not
1: okay that was embarrassing that was one of the worst football mm-hmm. games i've ever watched all right colts are at the green bay packers um This Packers offense has just gotten reached, like, weirdly bizarre levels in terms of personnel. Yes. Ty Montgomery's status still very much up in the air, dealing with uh, some sickle cell complications. Randall Mm -hmm. Cobb still limited at practice Wednesday. We'll see where he's at. Both of those guys did not play last week. Uh, That opened the door for Devontae Adams. 25 catches now over the last two weeks. Uh, Is he good at football now?
2: I mean... Uh, you probably watch a little bit more Packers than I do, I, yeah. but I, I actually did watch both of those games, and it uh, seems like, you know, if you literally just throw him the ball enough, it'll work. And it, it seems like, unlike last year, he's able to catch the ball when you throw it to him. That's big. So that's, that's big a, for a lot of receivers. No, it's seriously a thing. So, uh, you know, now that he's able to catch the ball, uh, it's it's been great you know 25 catches over the last two weeks like you said that's pretty unbelievable stuff uh so uh you know when when guys like Montgomery who I guess is more of a running back at this point even though he wears a number in the in the 80s you know just kind of throwing off defenses throwing off fans and viewers and the like uh and Cobb obviously still hurting uh you know what are you gonna do you lean on like Jeff Janis
1: maybe i don't know (laughs) some people probably are his folk
2: hero jared abradaris is gone i mean yeah have you been able to open up on the air about about losing Aberderis?
1: i don't care about that actually weird story uh in high school jared Aberderis' team actually knocked my team out of the playoffs our final year jerk well i guess it would have been my junior year i was not a part of i was on the team i was just you know kind of like a half mascot half player type of thing (laughs) i i had nothing to do with the outcome of that game but Jared Aberdares, we had a very strong team that year, uh, and Jared Aberdares was the quarterback, punter, kicker, punt returner, kick returner, and just, he was good. I mean, it was a (laughs) relatively close game, but he he was that good, and it's not really a surprise to see how his career has turned out, um, you know, as far as making the NFL. Uh, But again, yeah, this Packers offense could look a lot like last week's in terms of personnel, depending on how Montgomery and Cobb end up, but... Mm -hmm. Nelson and, and Adams were enough to to probably win that game in Atlanta last week. You gotta think if you put up thirty two points on the road, you're gonna win a lot of games. That's but uh obviously that did that did not work out in the Packers favor. They parted way with Niall Davis earlier this week, which you would think is a good sign for someone like James Stark's returning soon. Um but right now. I mean, it might be another week where it's Rodgers and, and Aaron Ripkowski leading the team in carries, as was the case uh, in week eight.
2: Jeez, that's, that's uh, very interesting. I, you really just hope that Montgomery comes back at that point. Did you? Like yeah, that's carries. the thing I was
1: like, I, f- I don't know if there was something internal with Davis, but like you don't make that move, right, without some knowledge that you're getting one of those guys back, you would hope.
2: I think part of it was a financial thing where like th- yeah. they didn't have to pay him if they cut him in time. Well, I
1: think they didn't have to give up the pick either. Right. The compensatory pick that would have gone to, to KC. There. Yeah, so uh, they, so that's they pretty much it. saw
2: like it wasn't going to work out, and yeah, I mean, I think you you're probably onto something in in the sense that uh, you know they might be uh, pretty close to getting some you know some depth back at the running back position, uh, but you know it was also just a shrewd you know business decision mm-hmm. essentially.
1: Yeah, a lot of those in Green Bay. Did you see so you watched the game last week against Atlanta? I did. Did you see the? Uh, I, I think it had to be first or second and goal from about the two or three when they ran like they ran like a bubble screen to Ripkowski. Oh God! Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> like that was ingenuity. I, I love that play, but like I've never seen it thrown to a fullback.
2: Yeah, yeah. If you if you're throwing any sort of you know like get this guy in space and the, and the guy's name is
1: Ripkowski like it, right. there's probably yeah you got to get something... Ripkowski out in space like let him make a move like <laughs> I just thought that was get just this one of the weirdest calls I've ever seen. But that's that's where the Packers are at. Like he was like maybe their best option for that play. Goodness. I think we're gonna probably see like that patented uh, Texas Tech as the team I always think about that ran that that jailbreak screen for Crabtree. You oh, know yeah. where you, you, know, you get three four yards downfield and then just cut in with with the whole line kind of coming out and I kinda, we might see that with Rifkowski this week. That would uh, be Incredible. But real quickly on the Colts, like I I kind of like the Colts this week. I think the Packers right. are are just so shaky offensively. Like they seem due to have one of those weeks where they just can't move the ball. Um, yes. Uh, I, don't, I hope that's not the case because they're a hell of a lot more fun to watch when they can move the ball. Um, but, you know, the, this Colts team is bad, but they still have Andrew Luck, who when healthy is a top five or six quarterback mm-hmm. in the league. That receiving core is finally getting healthy. Uh, you know, the offense has not been that bad outside of that line, right. uh, so we'll see if Green Bay can can get pressure on the on the quarterback. Yeah. Copy and paste the whole thing about, uh,
2: you know, they're, they're good besides the offensive line. Copy and paste that from, like, 2012, and, uh, you know, every single week it seems to fit. They, I don't know why they've just decided to sit on their laurels as far as their offensive line is concerned. I know they drafted Ryan Kelly in the first round this year, but just feels like that line is is just, like, eternally – it's just, like, one of those, like, famous – you know, like, the Ravens always used to have a good defense. You always used to think of them mm-hmm. as, if, you know, for their strong defense. Like, you, you think of Indianapolis and you're just, like – For their th- bad line. Yeah, for their bad offense. Like, it's something you can always point to, at least. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you probably think of Andrew Luck if you're a normal person. But, mm-hmm. you know, that line is, is really atrocious. Mm-hmm. So the, the Packers should – you know, as any other team should be able to get a lot of pressure and get a lot of hits on mm-hmm. Andrew Luck this week. But I do kind of see where you're coming from as far as the the offense maybe potentially turning in a clanker because, it, you know, that sort of personnel that they have, it's not it's not a bankable 32 points every single no. week like we like what I we like saw they last played week.
1: as well as they could have last week. <laughs> yeah, given, absolutely. Given the situation, and I don't know if they can replicate that. Although the opponent, no, not as formidable. And you're at home, so things working in favor of the Packers. Uh, All right, we'll get to the Sunday and Monday night games in a sec. I have to do uh, this read for Fan Clash. If you love to play fantasy football and think you know more than the rest of the sports world about it, we have a website for you. You can put that fantasy knowledge to the test on Fan Clash Trivia, the number one sports trivia site for cash and prizes. Rotowire, that's our company, has teamed up with FanClash.com to bring you NFL Week 9 and Week 10 trivia with cash on the line. RotoWire will be running free contest on fanclash.com against RotoWire experts on November 9th as well as November 15th. Again, it's a free contest for all, all roto users with cash prizes on the line. Reserve your spot now. You will compete with RotoWire's own Kevin Payne. Oof, all right, shout out to Kevin uh, on November 9th to see who really knows the most about NFL trivia from all of the Week 9's action. Cash prizes go to the top 100 scores. It's when the top five also win free six months to Rodawire on the house. Uh, go to fanclash.com slash rotawire to sign up now. Man, we're, we're going to have Kevin, I think, on the XM show on Saturday. I cannot wait Venga. to see how fired nice. up he is for this. Like, you're not winning any Bills trivia against that guy, so don't don't even try. Yeah, really, bro. AFC East in general, you're probably just out. Uh, all right, Broncos at Raiders Sunday night. This is a good Sunday night game, probably the best Finally. one we've had we in a while. We have a good...
2: Monday, or good national TV games, like pretty much across right. the board this week, final six
1: and two against six and two. I mean, there's been a lot of complaining about how the schedule is shaken out this year, but it doesn't really get a whole lot better than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these teams is making the playoffs in the AFC West, right? I, to me, it's still Denver. I mean, Oakland has looked at times better offensively than Denver has, but mm-hmm. I still bank on a very good defense than I do what's looked like a very good Oakland offense. That, that's a
2: very fair point. Um, but I think the the Raiders' biggest area of concern is something that the Broncos just aren't really able to take advantage of. Sort of like what I was saying about uh, the Panthers coming out west uh, to face the Rams uh, with a with a very shaky secondary. It's too bad that the Rams can't do anything about it. I think that, you know, we're, we're seeing a little bit of the same boat here, maybe not to the same extent, but, uh, you know, the Broncos passing, def- or, uh, passing game uh, with Simeon at the helm is just not very formidable. I mean, it's it sort of uh, more of the same of what we what we saw last year with a, with an extremely aged and limited Peyton Manning and obviously uh, with Brock Osweiler, so uh, they're not going to really be able to burn the Raiders uh, through the air. And uh, C.J. Anderson's out for the year now, so they got to ride Devonte Booker. Uh, I guess that does make him a chalk play uh, for for like DFS purposes if the price is right. There, I uh, don't remember his price exactly uh, on Fanduel or DraftKings, but. Uh, you know he's a guy that you you definitely look at because he's going to get most of the carries. But I think that the Raiders, you know, if you have like a Mari Cooper, but you also have like a like a Mike Evans and, and like a Doug Baldwin going this week, do you leave Cooper on the bench against against a very tough? Uh, I don't I'm know having this I think issue in a lot maybe. of spots.
1: I think you got to think about it. The Denver defense is one of only like two or three that you really kind of make these calls mm-hmm. with, and yeah, I mean the way that DVR and I always put it is. You can leave Cooper in your lineup, and it's not going to kill you, but what is the ceiling with Cooper? Like, if Cooper has a good game against Denver, maybe that means six catches for, like, 85 yards. Probably. Whereas, yeah. you, like, you just have to put, if you're going with him, you have to understand that the ceiling is probably considerably lower, uh, and the floor is quite a bit lower as well. So I yes. mean, it's risky, but I, I don't know. I generally stay away. From, like, I would usually bench Cooper if I have an option like Baldwin, just because I tend to go for upside. Mm-hmm. I think that may I think mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. It depends sense where you're in at in your in your league, you know. Sure. Cooper maybe is a little bit safer. I don't know. It it, it really is situational it, and the biggest factor is who do you have behind him. It, yeah,
2: exactly. So, uh, you know, and I also have Emmanuel Sanders uh, in, in a couple places. He's he's I'm, I'm like I'm not saying that he's a lock to be uh, more productive than, than a guy like Cooper or Crabtree this week, but uh Certainly draws a, a lot more favorable of, of a matchup that, than you know on the other side of the coin here. So it, I don't know, just a little bit of food for thought, I guess, as mm-hmm. far as your your start and sit for your receivers because this game has a lot of intrigue, especially in the, both passing games.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, Devontae Booker, I think, disappointed a lot of people last week. Did get oh, yeah. in the end zone, but the yardage total wasn't there. I mean, he looked so good as the the you know, the number two or the one A behind C J Anderson and. I mean, he was coming for that job, I think, even before right, yeah, the knee injury. And all, sudden, all of a sudden, Anderson goes down, and it was like, wow, the, the risk is not even there anymore. Like yeah. If I'm a Booker owner, you feel so well, good about go. it. Uh, but still, I mean, I, I still think he's a, a really, really strong play going forward. I wouldn't get too worried yeah, about a, too. a somewhat disappointing performance in Week 8.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the uh, Chargers defense it, it looks a little bit better right now. I think Joey Bosa sets the edge extremely well. Joey yep. Bosa is a, like, bonafide stud he's already. He's good.
1: Best nose in the NFL.
2: Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And then, think uh, you know, his, his brother's, you know, in three years, he's going to be there, too. Um, you know,
1: that'll be, you know, like the Noza-Bosa brothers, and it's mm-hmm. going to be wild. Yeah. Bills at the Seahawks. What a weird matchup! I feel like these teams have never played ever in the history of the NFL. Even though I'm sure they have. Days of Ricky Waters. Yeah, right. Yeah, man. Shout out Ricky Waters. We (laughs) got to get him on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Seattle has not looked great. They still are in, you know, very much in control in the NFC West. Partially because Arizona has kind of taken a step back. Mm -hmm. The Rams, you know, at three and four, I think this is probably the their ceiling for through the first eight games. Mm -hmm. I think everyone kind of expected. Uh, them to be a little bit worse, San Francisco totally out of it at one and six, so I mean Seattle might only need to get to ten wins to take this division this year, just like the old days right yeah exactly i mean this is this is your uncle 's n f c west now um <laughs> So, I mean, this is a nice match. I mean, the Bills always seem to get up for these primetime games, but on the road, traveling cross country, mm. you're losing a couple of hours, it's daylight savings this weekend. Um,
2: Having a traumatic event at their own stadium last right. weekend. Right.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, the NFL has almost gone an entire week without a sex toy entering the play of uh, the field of play. So, there's that. Uh, the, on top of all of that, they have no skill position players because mm. LaShawn McCoy is still hurt, limited at practice uh, on Thursday still very much questionable. And honestly, I'm surprised that they haven't just said we're ruling him out and there's I mean right. there's still a chance he's going to actually play. I just think, you know, they they probably rushed him back last week, he tweaked the hamstring and yet they might do the same thing again.
2: Yeah, I really see it's it's a situation where if you're a McCoy owner, you just want them to to just let him sit so he can like yes. be healthy for like the playoff push and, you know, if you got like a Mike Gillisley share, you're at least a little bit excited right. about That, that that's the
1: exact situation I'm in. I would just like just I want to know McCoy's out so I can start Gillislee and not have to worry about McCoy vulturing 10 carries and rushing for 14 yards. <laughs>
2: exactly, yeah. I mean, he's, if he plays, he's not going to be effective, especially mm-hmm. this week, because Seattle can certainly right.
1: stop the run. It's a bad matchup, even if McCoy's at 100%, let yes. alone 70%. Uh, P- Percy Harvin? The revenge game. I'm like, what? I guess he... I saw a tweet that I that summed this up perfectly. It was like, Percy Harvin must have checked his bank account for the first time in two years this week, and was like, oh, nope. Oh. <laughs> Damn, I, need to, sec- I need to get some cash here like <laughs> yeah. why else would this happen like he was on no one's radar like when's the last time you've heard anyone talk about percy harvin in the context of playing in an nfl football game it, it's been at least a year. he might be their best player at the oh receiver position like he seriously Lord. might be
2: yeah so that's an issue uh yeah i think if you if you take one thing from this podcast it's that the the bills are in dire dire straits right now mm-hmm. as far as their offensive uh p- weapons are concerned right. when percy harvin signed off the street uh you know, having to retire due to like hip and you know all sorts of other head
1: ailments. Uh, he had a headache for like three years straight. He did. I think that would be that terrible. sounds horrible. Um. Yeah. All right. Closing thoughts. I'm really excited to watch KD versus Westbrook tonight. Uh, I know you're not quite as much of an NBA guy, but that's going to be an awesome game. Ooh, the Bucks old, are playing fun, tonight. Actually. People are fired up. Uh, the city of Madison was a buzz this morning with. <laughs> Bad case of Bucks fever. Flags, um, you know, all over the place. Yeah.
2: You know, people in the streets.
1: Well, people, yeah. The Bucks won against the Pelicans on on Tuesday night, and like I keep seeing all these like W flags around town. And it's was like, I didn't. Like, that's cool <laughs> that everybody's supporting the Bucks. Like I, have no, I had no idea that there was just such a Bucks contingent, uh, but it, it's cool. Uh, so yeah, I mean, any any parting thoughts? Um, looking forward to this this slate of games. Uh, my, my dad's gonna be in town
2: this weekend. So we're gonna be oh, able boy. to wallow in misery together as we watch the Ravens lose to the Steelers in Baltimore. Um, so looking forward to that just, you know, for the, just to have like a partner in crime right. for, the, for the, just the misery, because usually it's just nice. me in my apartment watching the Ravens on a terrible NFL stream <laughs> and just being like, Oh, God, this play yeah. happened five minutes ago. And it was yep. horrible.
1: Yeah, I know that game. I watched the Jaguars in public last week on Thursday night, and that was, that was a bad idea. That's just not something you don't want people to know. You, know. you don't want people to know just that you're your affiliated secrets. with that team. Uh, but that'll do it for us. Um, I honestly, I don't know who's hosting the podcast tomorrow. I would tell you if I knew, uh, but I will not be hosting. DVR, like we said, is out of town. But someone will be back on the RotoWire NFL podcast on Friday.
0: This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's five-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.